Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96FM. No, I have to the top of that, Vic. Our apologies. I think it was all of those lotto people getting in for KC's syndicate. I was just saying to him here during the news, if if that syndicate actually wins, they're going to get about 11 pence each at this stage. However, we'll see what happens. 1850-715-996, text 083-396-9696, the email opinion at 96fm.ie. A lot to do this morning, including what exactly has been happening with this Christmas show in Fota and how many hundreds of people have been given a half-price package that they didn't expect to be getting. And what happens now? Because we've had a lot of calls and a lot of... Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply messages about it that's to come later on this morning also also musical treat for you to finish out the show this week an absolute gem of a musical treat one of the most popular songs we've played on the on the radio station in a very long time sung live in studio i won't tell you yet what it is 
Right, let's go first of all though to a hard news story as they say and one that we've been following since the day and the morning it happened. We all remember the horror of the murder of Mikolai Vilk. He was 35 years of age. He was slashed to death uh, with machetes at his home in Maglin Bridge in Ballincollig in June of 2018. A gang entered the house and killed him in front of his wife and his children were there as well. She was injured. I think she's gone back to their native Poland now at this stage. Let's get up to speed with the story. Uh, there have been some significant arrests, we understand. Anne Mooney of the Irish Sun. Anne, good morning. Good morning, PJ. This one's been baffling guards since the start, or has it? Because I got the distinct impression that they knew an awful lot more than they were telling us, and they were on to more than they were able to admit. It seems to have worked out that way. Um, yes, PJ, the, as you know, the, um, this was one of the most horrific murders, I suppose, in Ireland, never mind in Cork, because of the absolute absolute brutality involved in it uh, and the manner in which Michelai was killed. Uh, in front of his wife, Elisabetta, um, their two children were in the house, but um, but were um, were spared seeing what happened to their dad, I believe. Um, the the incident happened on June the 10th um, at Magdalen Bridge in Ballincollig, where the couple uh, were living in a rented home. And uh, he was literally hacked to death by um, a number of men probably three or four who had entered their home, who had smashed in the front door and um, had attacked him in the hallway. Um, he, the, the guardy were puzzled as to a motive about the case because he had not uh, come to their attention. He was uh, 35. He ran a, a, a successful um, garden maintenance business in the area and um, he had never had any arrests or any previous convictions or anything so uh, in effect they were kind of left I suppose in limbo land as regards a motive but there were a number of theories being put out there that he owed money to criminals and that there were you know all sorts of things but but nothing conclusive um, and uh, after the after the arrest or after the death mm. um, the car that was used a BMW car was found burnt out uh, a few kilometres away uh, and in this, Gardaí found both the machete that they believed was used in the attack and a gun. And it's understood that they did manage to retrieve some DNA evidence from yeah. that, despite the um, the, the intensive um, uh, fire. fire. But, the the inquest, I think, was on this week. And yes, for, yes. For, for, it's opened for, again. Yeah, for the benefit of listeners, an inquest can't really be completed while there's a, a murder investigation an, ongoing. Yes. So or what happened there? there's any sort of criminal investigation yeah. uh, ongoing. So the, the coroner was actually told that Gardaí had made significant progress in the investigation into the murder and that uh, they were... Um, that they they were uh, working with both national and international agencies uh, to track down the people they believed were responsible for the for the dad of for the death of dad of two, um, and Sergeant Fergus Toomey told the inquest when applying for adjourn- an adjournment that significant arrests um, had been made in the case. Uh, now nobody has been brought to court. Mm. Uh, PJ, so um, significant arrests. There were certainly up to six people in, arrested. There were cars seized um, last year following the uh, murder. Yeah. And uh, he said that the, the investigation remains active. 
uh, from following significant arrests of national and international dimensions. Yeah. And that a comprehensive file is to be sent to the DPP. Right. So that's where we're at. Basically, yeah. um, the, the uh, coroner's court was adjourned again until next April uh, to allow the justice process to continue. Yeah. Um, and and as regards Elizabeth, yes, she couldn't get out of the country um, fast enough after what had happened to her. And hard that may prove a deterrent yeah, in the to. case because she has vowed that she will never come back to Ireland yeah. again. Hard to blame Who the poor can blame woman. Her? No, very yeah. hard to blame the poor she woman. She was injured as well and taken to hospital during the attack. All right, okay. And thanks for that. That's Anne Mooney of the Irish Sun bringing us up to speed on the latest developments. The inquest can't be concluded until whatever criminal investigation is ongoing isn't concluded. So it's... We know something is likely to happen in terms of court now between now and April because that's when the inquest has been adjourned until but a file being sent to the DPP on the savage, brutal, merciless murder of Mikolai Vilk uh, in in uh, Balancholic in 2018. 1850 715 Text us 083-396-9696 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, yesterday morning, we started to get messages very early on asking a simple question, what exactly is going on with Folter's Christmas show? What we understand is people began to log on to book the Folter Christmas experience on Wednesday and they all started to get a discount a discount that they weren't expecting or they hadn't signed up for and people were beginning to wonder well hang on a second am I entitled to this now what happened what exactly is happening now one of the first people who brought it to our attention was Kira. now Kira had paid full price for her package but then after she booked it she began to discover that not everybody was paying full price. In fact, an awful lot of people had only been paying half price and had never expected to pay half price. So we're wondering what on earth is going on. I spoke to Kira about this. Kira, we started to get word during the the show that something had gone wrong with booking the Christmas Wonderland at Photo Resort. You yeah. got caught up in it. What happened? Well, in a sense of. I had got an email a couple of days ago to say that the tickets, you know, there was a countdown for the tickets, and I went every year since it first started at Photo Seek. So I, I registered, so I automatically get emails. I didn't get any information about a code. I'm not a Photo Island member, but I've just been to the, the centre. So on Wednesday, it said that it, they go on sale at 12 o'clock. I logged in at about 1 o'clock on Wednesday to putting my booking. Went through everything, so you get um, different days and different times, and there's like low, medium, high periods. I always book early December for an evening time slot. Yeah. So I went through my whole booking. It confirmed. It said that it was 104 euro for two adults, two kids, and one photograph. Okay. And 104 euro has been deducted from your account. Okay. They did state that it was going to be. I it'd be slow to get a confirmation email, so I just screenshotted my booking reference. And I didn't know any more until I woke up this morning and saw the post from Fosha. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. Have I paid the right price? Have I paid underpaid or overpaid? But there's no, there's no connection back from Fosha themselves. Because there was a half price offer. Yes. We understood that you got the family ticket for fifty two euro. No, that's not me. I paid full price, but other girls have said that they went in 
They didn't put in any codes at all, knew nothing about codes, and just went to book as normal, and they the, the half-price code was automatically applied to their booking. So they got it for half-price? They got it for half-price. Okay. With no code. They haven't entered anything. Okay. So these people that you know went mm. in to book as normally, like you paid as 104 yep. They went in thinking they'd pay 104 Then the system told them, actually, thank you for booking your half price. Yes. Right. Now... Even though they've entered nothing. Now, there seem to be quite a number of people who have been... This has happened with. Mm -hmm. I'd imagine it's 90% of the bookings. Because if if reading down on all of the comments, with excluding mine, everybody who was on that, and there's hundreds of them, they've all said, so I'm thinking that Within an hour of them going live, this glitch, whatever it is, happened. And anybody who booked, I like I booked within the first hour. So I'm assuming everyone who booked after that, yeah. this discount code automatically applied. Now, Fota's uh, thing is that this discount code is only for people who are members or people who are staying in lodges or whatever. Yeah. And that it wasn't supposed to apply to everybody. So they then put up a Facebook post... It's Google glitter fingers here from the North Pole. Very condescending altogether. We've heard through the candy cane line that someone has shared the secret uh-huh. code exclusive to Photo Island Resort members. Santa has announced this code will not apply to anyone who's not a Photo Island Resort member. Santa is checking his list and will contact anyone who was ineligible to use the code. Sending you sugar and spice, Google glitter fingers. Now, they're getting ripped apart on Facebook over that Facebook uh, post because what they're effectively saying is, however this mistake happened, unless you actually are a member of the resort or unless this code should apply to you, well, we're not going to apply it to you. Yeah. They're going to try and take it back from people afterwards is the implication. If someone went, if someone of your friends went in yesterday, booked the ticket, got the discount, they may not get it, actually. They might not get it at all. No, it's either, I'd imagine maybe they, they might put it to them, look, if you want to pay the balance now and keep your slot, then fine. But even looking at all the slots when, a while ago when I went back into rebook, there is li- little or nothing left. Yeah. for the kind of high period. So if people want to keep their slot, I'd imagine they're going to have to pay. Now, would it be financially viable for them to to not reclaim the money? Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's something they'll need to decide for themselves. But just reading from the Facebook responses to that message they put up, Keep we booked for young. our kids. There was no code entered. The discount was applied without us entering any code. It would be yeah. a disgrace if this isn't honoured. It's an error on behalf of FOTA. Another one, FOTA didn't enter any discount code. I put in our details. I paid the price given. I expect this to be honoured. Uh, same 50% discount applied to my booking on checkout. Not my issue. Then I got a confirmation email with the wrong date and time. So clearly something has gone wrong internally. This code has been applied to people who weren't eligible for it, and now, according to their Facebook post, photo are going to sift through people, and if you weren't eligible, it won't apply to you. That won't go down well. That will not, you know, they, they, they gave them a price, and people went ahead and booked it. It's not their fault. 
if you know maybe different if they can figure out that people took the Facebook code or the code that was shared virally yesterday, it's different. But I don't think the people who did not enter a code, they just carried on the booking sequence as you do. There's like six different steps. You have 20 minutes to complete your book. Like you paid full price. I paid full price. You paid full price, but if it had come back to you and said, actually, thanks to our secret code, you're getting it for half price, you'd expect it for half price, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. You know, counter lucky stars, this is... I mean, I paid in excess of €135 last year to go. It's actually cheaper than what it has been in previous years. So I, I paid what I expected to pay every year. One hundred and four euros. Yeah, they're, they're getting as as even as I'm watching this. There's more comments coming in on the I Facebook po- post. Everybody who booked uh, definitely within or just after the first hour yesterday, it has applied to every. But it seems to have applied to nearly every booking. Mm. I I my booking was complete at thirteen nineteen, yeah. and that's a full price booking. So I think anyone who's probably after that time, they've all got the discount code. And look, it's just a matter of an opinion, but would you think they should get that discount if it was applied to them by the system? Oh, I believe honour it, or I can't see them ever being able to do photo again. Kira, thank you very much. No problem, PJ. That's Kira. I spoke to I spoke to her yesterday in, in the midst of all this. And that's just her view whether they can do it again or not. Now we did also manage to get a copy of the emailed receipt that people send out. And it has a reference number on it and it has some stuff written in rhyme for the boys and girls. It's just all Christmassy stuff. Uh, how do we get there? How do we go? The grown-ups will find special instructions below. Here is the important information the grown-ups will need. Make sure they keep it safe. Agreed. And then you have a reference number, the date, the time, the number of people involved, and a barcode that the adults to show when they get there. There's no mention of a price in the email. None at all. Now, we've also contacted Fota ourselves for more information and We've done that both by email and by phone. So far, there's been no response. But quite a number of people have been caught up in this and they think they've got their photo experience or their photo Christmas trip for half price. They paid half the price. They don't actually know what's going to happen now, even though according to Photo's Facebook page yesterday, uh, they're being selected People who were entitled to the code were being selected and people who were not would be weeded out. People won't be too happy with that, I would imagine. 1850 We will come back to it throughout the course of the morning should we get more to bring to you. And as I said, we've asked Photo for their response and we've had nothing so far except we got a copy of that acceptance email. 1850 Remember Orla from yesterday. Uh, we had a grand long chat with her about her situation. We had a very, very generous donation to Penny Dinners from a listener. Uh, we understand at the end of yesterday's programme that uh, Penny Dinners, Katrina and her people were sorting out some accommodation for Orla and her kids for a little while and they're going to get meetings for her and organise this, that and the other so that she can get back on an even keel and maybe get somewhere to rent or to stay ASAP and they're being fed and looked after as only Penny Dinners can do um, for as long as they need it. So we've had a follow-on email from someone who picked this up on our social media, which I'll read to you in a while. Uh, 1850-715-996. In the meantime, though, there is GHB 
GHB Peach, date rape drug on the streets of Cork. We've had a message about it. Get to that next. 1857 1996. This is Cork's Gold. Imro award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, just in response to Orla, we had that email uh, from someone who's in. Uh, a similar seriously difficult situation, not in Cork, but they picked it up on our social media. I'll get to that in a while. We're trying to help them as best we can, even if they're not in Cork. But we got a, a message from Lorraine. She tweeted about this. Uh, the, she was out with friends, uh, as you do, and one of her friends got a drink. And here's what Lorraine told us. Nearly halfway through the drink, she said, there's definitely something wrong with this. She brought it back to the bar, where the barman tasted it, agreed and replaced it. Not long after that, she blacked out. She doesn't have a single memory. She moved her location and she has no recollection of moving or coming home, although she appeared to be having a great time and she didn't seem to need any help. This is very unlike her. She's normally coherent when she's drunk. She left because she felt sick and started violently vomiting on the way home and she was vomiting at home for quite a while. Again, this is very unlike my friend. She never gets sick after a night out. When she woke up in the morning, she had no recollection of the whole night before. Before the drink, she still felt violently ill, along with a high sensation. She felt frightened for no reason. She wasn't fully aware of what was going on around her, and she took the time to gather her thoughts on what had happened. She tried to go to the kitchen to get water, found herself completely off balance, fell over in the room. She felt very anxious, upset and frightened. Made her go to the doctor, her friends did, and she tested positive. The sample is being sent away for further testing to confirm the drug. But the salty taste means it's most likely to be GHB. There was meant to be in a few cases the last college year too, and it appears to be back this year. She doesn't want to mention where it happened either, and she doesn't believe it's their fault. And the friend is just too embarrassed to speak publicly about it. She had no reason to be embarrassed. This was done to her. It wasn't done by her. But anyway, that's what we got from Lorraine, that her friend got a nasty, salty taste off a drink, had a few more sips and said, no, there's definitely something wrong with this. Give back to the barman. Barman agreed, etc., etc. And then she had those after effects, which must have been shocking and frightening. I always used to think that those rape drugs, state rape drugs, GHB, called them what you will, that they were tasteless and that that was the real danger of them. But it appears sort of up-to-date knowledge is some of them react with some drinks to produce a salty taste. And it's happening a lot. It's happening a lot around Cork at the moment and there's a, there's a real concern now for it. Uh, Nicole Ryan from Alex's Adventure. Hi, Nick. Hi, how are you, PJ? It is very common around town, more common than people think. Yeah, GHB is mad. Like um, The other name for it is like sodium salt, so there's different variations and strains of it, but like that's where it gets its name and its salty taste from. Mm. Um, but it is, uh, it's not very easy to detect it. Like She was lucky, and first of all, credit to Lorraine for sharing that, because you know otherwise people just don't know this stuff is out there at yeah. the moment. Um, but yeah, it's it's... You can taste it sometimes, but it's not always detectable. That's I right. had an incident myself where I was spiked a couple of years back in Kerry, and like it was a frightening experience. Like it was just, I couldn't tell you what happened. Like I, 
I remember because I went out, we were at a party with a few friends and it was one of my friend's brother's birthday. So we went all back out to Terry and we had like two or three drinks before we left, you know, just casual. And I was drinking Wicked at the time when like, it was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had two Wicked and then all of a sudden I just, I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I could, it was like being in an, a slightly conscious coma. Right. Like, it was horrendous. And then all of a sudden I woke up the next day and I couldn't tell you from Adam what happened. Wow. Like, And how long nothing. did the effect take to set in, Nick? For me, it was it, it was almost like I drank, I had two drinks. So within the space of one minute I was grand, the next I couldn't even talk. I couldn't tell you a sentence. I couldn't, like, wow. I was just, they had to carry me. Like, I was just completely incoherent. But, like, it's really dangerous, GHBs, because, like, how it acts is, like, it, it acts as a nervous, a central nervous system depressant. Yeah. So it's like alcohol. So if you take it in a little dose, it'll lower your inhibitions, increase libido, things like drug or like alcohol would do. Yeah. But if you take it at higher doses, it'll cause amnesia, drowsiness, unconsciousness. And what's really scary is, like, polydrug toxicity. So when, what happens is if GHB is mixed with alcohol or, let's say, if you ha- were taking benzos, yeah. benzodiazepines, that'll cause, that's a high-risk situation where it'll cause cardiac arrest and mm-hmm. vomiting as mm-hmm. well as, if you're unconscious, all that combined is an overdose and a death situation. Wow. Wow. And within a couple of minutes, it starts to have its its effects. I note from the note, that from the message here, and it, it kind of rings a bell with um, Linda, who described a case, for her own situation from years ago. She described it on the show to me last week, where she woke up in her bed and couldn't get out. And when she got out of the bed, she collapsed on the floor. Yeah. Uh, this girl, the following morning, when she got out of her bed, couldn't stand up properly. Yeah, you're you're because you're disorientated because it attacks your whole cognitive system as well. You literally can't walk. You it's like you, it's like you're paralyzed almost mm. and like trapped within your own body. So then when you start walking and when you like, it's just horrible and it's all the come downs because it is a drug at the end of the day as well. So you have all the come down sensations mixed in with. You know, it's just, it's a horrible space. And you can see how some nefarious creature with with deadly intent, shall we say, will, will spike somebody's drink and then... Not even that. It's actually frightening. I've seen boys, like, I've seen young guys just sitting at a bar, let's say. Okay. And when it's really busy and they're just throwing pills across the bar to see if it'll land in someone's glass. Just oh, crack. Christ, you're joking me. Just for the crack, like, you know, so it's not... Is even it a, a pill, Nick, or is it a dust, or what is it? It can be a pill, it can be a dust, either or. It's usually a pill, and it just dissolves really quickly in your drink, and you wouldn't even notice it, like... But, like, it used to be, like, you know, if you mind your mind your drink, and if you leave it on tend to get a new one. But it's so sly at this point that you can have your whole... You could be holding your drink and just turn for one second, someone will pass you, put it in your drink, and you don't even know. So... It's just, I've seen lads do that, like, and it's just horrific to just, and they're just doing it for a laugh. Yeah. They don't understand that somebody could be taking benzodiazepines, like I say, somebody might have be taking sleeping tablets or something like that. And yes. you're just throwing chemicals into their drink for a laugh, just to see their reaction and their deterioration in a few minutes. Right. Horrendous. So, like, they might have no, they might have no nasty intentions towards the woman that they spike. They might not, just see no. what happens, but you could actually end up killing someone. A hundred percent, yeah. Right. Like a lot of the time, there is intent, but sometimes it's just a bunch of lads just having a laugh, seeing what's going on. Like that's just horrible. Like, 
Yeah, and is it easy to get this stuff? Not that we're advertising for anybody, but is, is it easy to get this stuff? GHB, yeah, it's not that difficult to get GHB. You know, it's because it's a it's a gener- it's a general anesthesia. Yeah, well. So it's not like a completely banned substance. It is and it isn't, you know, that kind yeah. of way. <laughs> yeah, you'll always get it. All right, Nick, thanks for that. Nicole Ryan from Alex's Adventure, 1850-715-996. It's a, they're doing it for fun. They might have no nefarious intent towards the person they do it to just to see how they react to this stuff. Well, it's highly, highly dangerous and it's happening every weekend. Uh, in Cork. I had a message from a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, a man who said he had his drink spiked um, and he knew he had his drink spiked almost the minute he drank it. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM Text in to say that our good friend Chris Luke was on another radio station recently to say that most people black out from alcohol. And he's right. He is right. Most people do black out from alcohol. But people are blacking out from this stuff too. He wasn't denying or never has denied that it happens. Not as common as people would claim, according to Dr. Luke. But according to Nick Ryan, who's on the ground with this, this is her work now. This is what she does. She's given up everything else in her life. To, to pursue this it's around there a lot of it 1850 now yesterday we heard from Orla and she told us her story we don't need to go through it again but she's got two small kids and she's pregnant we had the usual judgmental nonsense from people but that's okay too that will happen but you know rather than judging her we said we'd try to help her we sent her down to Katrina at the Penny Dinners who has taken her under her magnificent wings and helped her. She fed her. She fed her kids. She's looked after them last night and today. And a very, very kind lady dropped in a thousand euro, which will go towards some accommodation in the short term. So Orla is being looked after. The story was covered widely on our social media, and we got this. This caller is not in Cork, but as I said, picked it up on our social. Hi, guys. Orla's story really struck a chord with me. Maybe it's in the hope you truly realise this stuff is closer to all of us than we can ever imagine. It's also a stark reminder of how social media doesn't always reflect reality. I'm a very private person. I have a solid background, degree, master's, professionally accounting, qualified as an accountant, always worked, always been independent. I was diagnosed with serious neurological problems eight years ago, but still, look, all good. Working, training, being as healthy as I could, but started to tire and couldn't work as much as I wanted to. So my income slowed up. I had to make choices, rent, VHI and meds or food, but never all of them. As my savings dried up, the choices got harder. So rent, VHI and some of the meds, some of the time. I'd eat at my hospital appointments and take home fruit. Sometimes I'd take home toilet paper too. Only last week I collapsed, literally from starvation, not the first time, and an ambulance was called. The absolute shame of hunger and not being able to tell people how bad things are is awful. It's no exaggeration to say that last time I was hospitalised because of malnourishment, I nearly died. After IV replenishment of minerals and confirmation that there was no permanent damage, I was discharged. No access to a dietitian or a social worker. Instead, 
I was met by a junior doctor on the eating disorder psych team who confirmed I don't have an eating disorder and was no threat to myself. That took all of five minutes. Now, it's so easy for people to say, well, why not cancel the VHI? If they saw what I see daily on the wards and they saw the wait times, they'd understand the fear I live in of not having the dignity of at least a bed and some privacy. For those who think, oh, St. Vincent de Paul for food, it's simply not that easy. Firstly, I share a place with somebody who has no idea of my circumstances and how bad they are. So I can't have St. Vincent de Paul or anybody else call here. And secondly, I'm barely able to find the strength to get dressed. I often sleep in my clothes to keep warm, so queuing anywhere is physically impossible. I guess my point is we never ever know what goes on behind closed doors and the struggles people have and why they can't reach out for help. Keep sharing the stories of people like that lady you met today. I hope she's warm and fed tonight. Well, she was. We have to do so much better than this and we need people like you with a voice to share the reality. Anyway, sorry that's the most long-winded way of saying well done for giving that lady your time today. Best wishes. Name is with us, but ask us not reveal it. This is a professionally qualified person who is working and finds themselves in a situation of poverty and hunger and not having enough to go around. It's more common than you think. We have been in touch through our network uh, with some very discreet volunteers in the Vincent de Paul who will get in touch with her discreetly and be able to help her without her housemate ever finding out what's going on. So we've at least we've intervened as best we can in that regard. 1850-715-996. Just going back to the GHB, I am the... HSE and the guards have issued advice to junior certs who will be partying over the weekend. The results, of course, coming out today. There were parties last night, I think, in the City Hall. There's another one on Sunday night out in Curraheen Park. And no doubt people will be celebrating over the weekend, as they're entitled to do when the junior cert results come out. And we'd be idiots to think that drink will not be taken, because it shouldn't be. We'd prefer they didn't, but they will. So there's some advice which I'll come back to uh, during the show. 1850-715-996. City Hall is to consider the possibility of erecting a statue. Oh, statues again. We had statues on the show last week, do you remember? City Hall is to continue the possibility, or consider the possibility of erecting a statue of a much-loved Cork character, Catty Barry, in the area with which she was synonymous. And the call has come from the former Lord Mayor, Councillor Mick Finn. Now Mick uh, Finnegal Councillor Shane O'Callaghan got into the hot water with me last week when he was looking for to put up statues of McCurtain and McSweeney and Michael Collins along Patrick Street and I said haven't we better things to be spending our money on have you a better explanation for me Mick? Good morning. Yeah, well, good morning PJ yeah and I suppose look I can understand where Councillor O'Callaghan is coming from in you know when it, with the upcoming uh, 100th anniversary of the burning of Cork and you know, I think that it was in that context that he he was, uh, you know, speaking about things that we need to do as a city to remember what happened. Yeah, look, I think in re- in regard to this one, um, the request came from uh, you know people in the middle parish and traders in the Colke mm. about putting up uh, something to commemorate you know who was a, a person who was a living legend in her time. Mm. And I she think, was a, you know, t- tell tell people who wouldn't know younger people who wouldn't know the history of Cathy yeah, Barry. Well, briefly. it was uh, Cathy Barry was you know from the old stock uh, in the in the in the middle parish. She was uh, she took over. Um, a kind of a pub initially that her mother ran uh, in in off the Colca there in Cormarket Street, uh, and she kind of turned into what was known became known as a shebeen, and she was to serve traditional cock fare. Um, you know, she was to serve crew beans and and uh, tripe and trashine long before it became popular, maybe, and long before 
you know, it, it was a, a go-to place in the market, in the English market for us. So she was doing that back in the, in the mid-80s. And she just became one of these local characters. I mean, I remember growing up in the 80s, hearing about her and actually seeing her uh, in town in the late 70s. And, you know, she was just one of those, you know, local ordinary people who kind of did extraordinary things for the people, you know. She didn't do anything on an international scale. We'll say like Mary Ellen's or Mother Jones. It was that she was just a but real cork hero. A lot of the people legend. that she fed, Mick, it's fair to say, in that little Shebeen and Aiton house, which is now, isn't it, Dennehy's pub now? Yes, just in the back of Dennehy's yeah. pub, yeah. Like, a lot of people, only for what she gave them, they wouldn't have eaten. Yeah, and I mean, you look at a, a time, it was kind of 50s, 60s, 70s, we were talking about here, and you know, you, and even up to the, the 80s, but when, when she was kind of, I suppose, in our prime, it was a time when people were living in tenement housing, you know, um, it was a pretty poor uh, city, you know, I, I went to see Dockers last night in Fortamachu Hall, and you know, that, it captures that time when things were difficult and people got on with it, yeah. and then you had people like Cathy Barry, who, who was a go-to person uh, in the city for people maybe who didn't have much money, um, and then you had people, obviously, who, who were fed there, and the people who drank there as well. So, you know, she was a kind of a, a hero of her time. And I suppose the idea for this came from, you know, the, the, the festival that's held every year by the Middle Parish. They're trying to keep that history going. Which is and, a and fantastic I mean, festival, and it really it is. And they're great people. And How much would it cost to do this, Mick? Yeah, well, look, that's something that we need to look out. And I mean, in fairness to the Middle Parish and to the Coldplay Marcus, um, you know, I said to them first day that if this is going to be considered, you know, that they would have to raise some of the funding for it. And they were saying, look, that's something that we'd be prepared to do. And I think that's the that's the way to look at this. Um, you know, it's not going to cost the city council thousands and, and thousands that we don't have. Um, but, it, you know, what I've called for is, you know, a kind of a, to get this ball rolling, as we've done in, in previous kind of commemorative, um, you know, initiatives, to get this going, get it costed, see how much it will cost, and then, you know, deciding on how to how to fund it. I mean, it, you know, it could take a bit of time to get this off the ground. Mm. But I think it's it's worth doing it. I mean, it's also an idea to try and rejuvenate the Cold K and the Cormac Street. And I think it's fair to say that the, you know, the project that was undertaken to rejuvenate it hasn't entirely worked. And I think something like this, you know, might refocus attempts to kind of get this into an open air market that we can run and be proud of. Um, And I think, again, you know, it's important that we remember that that history, you know, that's been celebrated in in the Dockers play, for example, it was done in the Shawleys play. These are things that made Cork what it is. And I think it's very important to keep sight of that, you know, as it develops and as it modernises. All right, Mick, thanks very much. Former Lord Mayor, Councillor Mick Finn. And, you know, he's not wrong. You might, I might have slagged off Shane O'Callaghan here last week about McSweeney, McCorton and Collins, but this woman is an icon of our history. The 80s she worked into. I, I remember seeing her around myself in the 80s as, as a young fella. And it, there's a photograph in many of the pubs, and you, I'm sure young people have gone into pubs and said, who's your one? Who's your one in the shawl? That's the the famous Catty Berry. Uh, would you put up a statue to her? Remember her down around the, the cold cave? 1850-715-996. Come here. Did you see that Egypt? And I mean Egypt of the highest order in Kerry. This guy goes out windsurfing in a force 8 gale, which went up to a force 9 gale, and had to be rescued. Now, no harm came to him. Clearly very skilled at what he does and all of that. But he had the lifeboat out for him. He had the coast guard out for him. He had volunteers of all kinds out for him. To see was he all right because he was out windsurfing in a Force Nine gale. Like I'm sorry, he wants a slap in the face with a stock and a you know what. In fact, he should be pay- he should pay for the cost of sending out the rescue crew. Do you agree with me, or am I am I wrong?
1850 There's roadworks coming up in Cove. There's always roadworks in Cove, as anyone who lives down there will tell you. But there's an interesting little conundrum coming up for the people of Cove over the weeks to come. There's only one way in. Well, there's two ways in and two ways out to Cove. There's the main road that you know, that one that goes down. And then there's the other one called Ticknock. You can only get into Cove by one of those two roads. Imagine having roadworks on both of them at the same time. Yes, it's going to happen. That's next. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah. Some people agreeing with me on idiots like that down in Kerry being named, shamed and punished. I'll get back to that in a while. But these roads around Cove. Now, for most of us, there's only two ways into Cove. In fact, some people would think there's only one. You go right at the end of Bell Valley Bridge and you drive down that coastal road there and you come into Cove one way. You can go left at Bell Valley Bridge and go all around what they call the Ticknock route and you'll come in the back. A lot of the locals, actually, a lot of residents go that way rather than the front way. But there's a huge drainage project starting in Cove. And over the next couple of months, there's roadworks going to be on both of those roads. And we hear that some of those roadworks will be happening on both roads at the same time, which would be a disaster for the 15-odd thousand people that have to move in and out of Cove every day. Daglon Healy is Programme Manager with the Cork Lower Harbour Main Drainage Project. Daglon, good morning. Hi, PJ. Is this true? Are we going to have two sets of roadworks at the same time? Not, not on the roads you've described, no, PJ. Okay. There's, there's some misunderstanding out there. The, the, the work in Tignox are, are, are due to finish today, and they might run over by a couple of days into next week. But that will see people off the, the that will see the roadworks off the back road. The the road the roadworks on the coast road, the R624, if if they're approved by the by the council. They won't start till the week after next. Okay, okay. Remind us again, first of all, what you need to do and how extensive that job is. It's it's the the last leg of a big job to, to clean up the, the, the sewage, the raw sewage going into the lower harbour. There was 40,000 wheelie bins going in at the start of the job and we've taken 30,000 out by building a treatment plant in Shanbelly and connecting the towns and villages from Ringeskiddy Passage, Monkstown, Carrigaline, Crosshaven, they're now all being treated. And as you well know, we, we had a lot of disturbance and inconvenience on the south side of the river for the last two years while we were digging up the main roads. We now have to cross the river. We're, we're drilling under the under the bedrock. Wow. And we're going, we're going to connect Cove. That means digging up the main roads in Cove to pick up the raw sewage that's gone out through the 19 outfalls. There is about 10,000 really bins yeah. of raw sewage every day going out through Cove. Wow. Yeah, it's a big job, and, and we want to do it safely. Yeah, and I so, suppose, look, you can't, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. It's a, it really is a no-pain, no-gain situation, but it's going, to be, it's going to be tough for some people. Well, I don't want to break any eggs, if you know what I mean. I, I get the, 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 the reference, but we, we really have to do this with the cooperation of, of, of the locals, and that means that people have to stay informed. And, like, I appreciate the opportunity now this morning to come on and, and just put right that, that uh, misunderstanding with okay. regard to the road closures. So the, the, the road works on the back road will finish before the work starts on the front? 
Yeah, the, okay. the back road finish should finish on the fourth of October, and if we get the the, the road closure license from the council for the for the coast road, we we, we won't be starting there till the the seventh or thereafter. And so, about how long will that project take? Because anything that starts at this time of the year people automatically think, God almighty, is this going to run up to Christmas? Are we going to be inconvenienced during the Christmas rush? What's the plan? There'll be no inconvenience in the Christmas rush. We have to stay out of the town for for the month of December and we actually can't dig up the roads in the centre of town for the six months of the summer because Cove is a tourist town now with all the cruise liners. So we're very conscious of making sure that people can go about their business and that businesses can function. Yes, People are going to be delayed. You will be sitting in traffic two minutes here, three minutes there. And we work, we worked it out that on average, the people of Cove will have to give us about an hour of their time each over the duration of the project, which is about two two years. Okay. So in order, in order to clean up the harbour, we're asking people to sit in traffic for a, a total of two an hour on average over two years. It's an no, inconvenience. No, no, no. We'd better make that very clear now. Yeah. This is a total combined delay of an hour over two years. Because exactly. I can yeah, I, yeah. I can hear a fellow now with one ear open and below and go, what? An hour? You know? Yeah, no, you haven't exactly. Yeah, it'll be uh, there'll be some people won't be delayed at all, and there'll be other people will have will have two minutes every day for okay. maybe six or twelve weeks. But yeah, it's okay. all long. All right, listen, we, we'll keep in touch uh, throughout it. Thanks, Deglon, Deglon Healy from uh, the program manager of the Cork Lower Harbour Main Drainage Project. The road that works on the back road are set to finish today. Might run into next week by a day or two. They're not even starting the work on the front road on the main road for a week or two yet they're waiting to get the license to start from the county council so panic over panic over and no you won't be sitting for an hour it'll be a couple of minutes now and again calm down calm down on Cathy Barry Kit says why not honour the memory of Cathy Barry by opening up the boarded up houses and naming the project after her much more beneficial than a statue given the housing crisis says Kit that's not a bad idea Kit find a project in that part of town, find some boarded up houses in that part of town and rename them, what, Catty Barry Place or something. But a caller rang in to say the proposition is a disgrace of a proposal, an absolute disgrace, because, says our caller, Catty Barry fed the whole British Army. General Tom Barry always complained about her when he was alive. It's a disgrace. Okay. The whole British Army in Cork were fed by Catty Barry. I've heard that said before. I also heard it said that Catty Barry didn't care who you were or where you came from, that if you were hungry, she'd feed you. And if you wanted tripe and drachine or pig's trotters and, and a snaky pint with it, she'd give it to you. And she didn't care who you were or where you were from. Which reminds us of Katrina Toomey down the road. She doesn't care who you are or where you're from, she'll feed you as well. 1850-715-996. Some more uh, communications about Orla, which we'll get to, as long with lots more besides. You're listening to highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Ah, there's a lovely story. Thank you, Jerry, for that. A uh, lovely story about Cathy Barry. She was in court for having no license in the old she bean that she ran at the back of what's now Denny's pub. And she was in court for having no pub license. And she stood down the dock. And when her case was called 
She approached the bench and she said, Hello, Your Honour. Delighted to see you. You left your glasses in my place last night. Case was dismissed. <laughs> That's a great story. 1850-715-996. Text 083-396-9696. And the email opinion at 96.fm.ie. As well as that idiot windsurfing. And there was two of them. Uh, windsurfing off County Kerry and had the Coast Guard and the lifeboats out looking for them. Now they were fine, they were grand, but there was about 20 people involved in the volunteering to see that they were okay and make sure that they would be okay. They're fine. There was another fella in the middle of an orange warning when people were told to stay away from the shore and told to stay away from the sea went out onto the prom in Galway in Salt Hill with a child in his arms. Somebody else got up into the diving. This happens in every storm. It happened during Ophelia. Someone got up onto the diving platform. It's one of the most brilliant places in the summertime to get up onto that platform and take a lip onto it, off it into the cold sea. It's brilliant. But in the middle of a storm, it's only what an idiot does. And yet, once again, there was an idiot up on the diving platform in Galway in the middle of an orange warning. Like, if something happens to them, they've got to be rescued. They've got to be... That pyramid is going out there. Coast Guard, lifeboats, costing money because none of this stuff happens for free. John, what should happen? Good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm in full agreement with your good self because uh, this is reckless endangerment. If you have no respect for your own personal safety, PJ, what about the families of the people that have to go out and rescue you? All these people are all volunteers. They all have mothers and fathers, brothers, sisters, wives, children. And uh, you're putting their lives in danger. I mean, there was, when, when a warning is given like that, you're supposed to stay away because there's a, there's a reason they give the warning for the simple reason is that it is dangerous, right? And then you have these muppets going out either quite suffering or whatever they're doing or even actually going in swimming yeah. or this clown that went over this kid, like as you say, and, onto this thing holding the children's arm. Like the likes of that fool like, should be charged with, with child neglect. The other idiots that went out in the Christ suffers, they should be publicly named and they should be of substantial fine. By all accounts, they were very experienced guys who I have don't care done this at a very high level. Because yeah. of the simple reason, if you go out in that and if a supporter or if someone's concerned and if you're taking extra time and you haven't come back in, what happens then to you? The lifeboats and all the volunteers have to be launched. Mm. And I think it's like people going up in bad weather, up Caron Tool. What happens? The volunteers, again, of the Kerry Rescue uh, lads and lassies have to come out and put their own lives in danger, again, with families, and go up and bring you down. So I think in a situation like this, there should be a, you should be publicly named and shamed, and there should be a substantial fine. All right, John, thank you. 1850-715-996, would you agree? And we had it here locally during Ophelia, when Ophelia was battering the place. There was still... Egypt's down on beaches and walking along proms, getting a photograph, trying to get a selfie with a, four, with a three metre swell. Listen, it's a great idea, but you could get killed or swept out to sea or. 1857 Should there be a fine? Should they be named? And in the case of the guys in Kerry, who, by the way, are purportedly very experienced windsurfers who are used to windsurfing in difficult conditions and probably saw this as a challenge of their skills, which is fine. But there was an orange weather alert in place, for goodness sake. And there was a cost involved in sending out all those people. Volunteers don't get paid, but it still costs money to put them out and put them to work. Should they be faced with a fine 
or to make a contribution, 1850 Or is it just a case of people will do what people will do and you can't police them every step of the way? What would you think? On statues, Jerry. good morning. Morning, uh, PJ. How are you getting on? Um, <coughs> excuse me. What I was, was, I was suggest is we have a famous school of art in, that, in Cork City. Indeed, indeed. And um, I don't know what it cost to, to produce a statue. Uh, if we were to get a recognised artist or sculptor to do it, mm. it would probably cost maybe it would have cost ten thousand, twenty thousand, or, or, or even more, right? So, what, what if there was a bursary run or a competition whereby students in the School of Art mm-hmm. would uh, design the statues, give them the good photographs, give them the design, and even design it, and. Um, be a judge, let them be a judge of panel then after and uh, the best, let the best person win and uh, whoever wins give them uh, a bursary or give them a few quid for themselves that's and that be better than going to be a pain an established artist That's a very good idea Jerry. Would you agree though with the principle of a statue of Catty Barry or Michael Collins or Terence McSweeney or any of those? Well I, I, w- I would like because they were all famous people and I suppose in time to come Bernie Murphy could be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> if we get into stories of Bernie we'll be here till lunchtime. Thanks a lot Jerry. Good call. 1850 on reckless behaviour at the Storms. Richard was on from Yall. Rich, Richard worked as a volunteer with the lifeboats for the bones of 40 years. He says they should be punished. 1850-715-996. We just had another message uh, via WhatsApp with regard to Orla. Uh, and this comes in from Trudy. Very kind words. Thank you, Trudy. A blush now reading these. Good morning, PJ. I'm a regular listener and enjoy your show due to the honest and open approach and your unfailing dedication to Cork and the people of Cork. But this morning, you really touched a chord with me with your simple words about Orla and the lady who wrote on social media. Two very different backgrounds with similar struggles. Yet you spoke of them as simply what they are, people like us all. You warmed my heart this morning with the respect you exuded when speaking of them. It makes me happy that the people of Cork are represented by decent people like yourself. Thank you, Trudy. Thanks for showing such respect to people, no matter what the situation or background is, and being a voice of decency. You've made my day. Thank you very much, Trudy. That is so kind of you. So kind of you. David wants to know, hi, PJ, can we ask this? We have a government that think all is good. Put minimum wage to €10. A single person on disability gets €197 a week to eat pay bills, pay for meds, etc. It's impossible to live on that in this country. We can't get a job because we're disabled and most would be given a fiver maybe in March. An old age pensioner gets 270. I know they pay tax. Some did, some didn't. This society and government are blind to their own. We also pay rent from that payment, says David via WhatsApp. And of course, it's budget on Tuesday. Budget on Tuesday. Um, it'll be leaked all over the papers at the weekend and a lot of it is out there already but budget on Tuesday which no doubt on Wednesday we'll be, we'll be digging through in our own way and if you have any responses when you watch Tuesday's budget or hear Tuesday's budget if you have any responses you can always email us and we'll get in touch with you on the Wednesday if you'd like to do that 1850 7159 am I going to three lads or what am I doing 
I'll take a break. That's the best thing we'll do. 1857 response to the email I read from the woman who heard about Orla on the show yesterday, picked it up off our social media, telling us our own story. She's someone professionally qualified, working professionally, paying her rent, paying her VHI, paying for all this, and she's unwell now, and because of the illness she has huge medical bills, and it's a case of do I get my medicine or do I eat? Do I heat my house or do I eat? And I can't even tell my roommate about it because they know nothing about it. And Neve says, I'm sobbing. It goes to show it's not just people with drug and alcohol problems that suffer from money troubles. We're all one bad event away from the same kind of struggle. I hope that lady gets some help. Well, we're seeing what we can do about that for her in the background. Mary says, this isn't the Ireland our fathers fought and died for. It makes me feel so ashamed. What's even worse, that poor woman has to hide it. Dolores, life is good until poor until poor health strikes. It's mostly okay if you've insurance. If not, it's a frightening time. Our health service is broken and staff are overworked and exhausted. Everyone needs a support person who'll be there for you. They'll ask questions and make notes for you to check later. I say this because I was a nurse. Most doctors' medical visits are stressful and much of what the patient is told is forgotten by the time they leave the office. It happens all the time. The sick person gets worse. There are many support groups and helplines can be accessed in confidence. Give it a go. Good luck and get well soon. Yeah, lots more like that. Lots more like that. 1850-715-996. Earlier in the week, I was talking to Richard Cuddy uh, in Glountown, and they were trying to go to auction to buy a piece of ground that had become very, I suppose, important uh, and to the locals. It's a little patch of ground. In your mind's eye, you can see it. It's not much bigger than half an acre or slightly more than that. But it was gone up for sale at auction and the locals were getting together a GoFundMe to try to raise some money to buy it, to keep it as a local amenity. Councillor Padraig O'Sullivan, did they succeed? Good morning. PJ, uh, yesterday, yesterday at auction, um, the locals bid, I suppose, on behalf of the community and secured the site. So it was good news for Glontorn yesterday. Excellent. Tell us a bit more about the site. Richard was explaining the history of it. Originally, it was CIE had it long ago, and then and then it became, went into private ownership. Exactly, yeah. Um, I suppose, as many people know, um, the train line runs very close there to the green, below in the old Glountown village, just opposite the rising tide. There's a green area there, and even to this day on the land registry map, um, Irish Rail still actually would, I suppose, own a little portion just inside the wall of that site. So, um you know, in terms of viewing the maps online, I suppose the site has, you could see the, the different changes of land ownership over, over the years between Irish Rail and private ownership, as you said. So um, recently, the, the landowner in question had decided to put it up for, for public auction. There were numerous attempts, I suppose, from the council and from the locals to try and, I suppose, acquire the property before it went to auction and, I suppose, take the risk that, 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 that comes with that. Mm. Do you know um, how much it went for in the end? Or can you say? Um, I do, but I'd rather not say. Look, I, I put this way: it didn't go much beyond the asking price. So, um, I think people were, you know, relatively happy all around. Um, like I suppose the community below in Glentown went to great lengths to fundraise and um, just just have to acknowledge them. And 
um, one local business person as well um, was very gracious and donated a large sum of money as well. So I suppose a lot of the community um, put the shoulder to the wheel and I suppose it's important as well to kind of acknowledge the role of Cork County Council. It's, it was kind of funny because initially I spent an awful lot of time um, on death.e myself just browsing at houses and whatever and I saw this site pop up myself. Mm. Um, so I had put down a motion at the municipal district, the Cove municipal district meeting that the council would acquire this property and keep it in local ownership. Um, and unbeknownst to me, I suppose the community had already been mobilised and were organising a public meeting at that stage as well. So um, there was numerous agencies, we'll say numerous stakeholders, both council and the community, I suppose, mobilised from the beginning to try and acquire the site to make sure that it stayed as an amenity for the, for the community. Excellent. All right. Listen, Padraig, thank you very much for that. 1850-715-996. So that little patch of land in Glownthorn will remain in public ownership, bought by the community. It's usually administered, I think Richard was telling me, by the the tidy towns and local volunteers, which is great. So it'll be theirs. It'll be theirs. Um, On the subject of the statues, caller says it should be General Tom Barry gets a statue. He fought for small nations in World War I and then heard what the British were doing in his own country, brought his own men back and fought to liberate West Cork from suffering. And he loved Cork so much, he walked down the Mardyke every day, singing songs and celebrating our liberty and our nationhood, and that he should get a statue. 1850-715-996. Now, there's been a bit of... We didn't need to go to that yet. Just let me know when, when I can go there. There's been an incident in Glanmire overnight. I think we have a pharmacy robbed overnight. I'll get to that in, in just a wee second. Listen, traffic update for you. Um, warn people to be careful. There's a tree has fallen on someone's car on the back road between Court Brack and Blarney. I uh, hope there was no one in the car at the time. Be, be wary of that. Tree down uh, on the back road to Court between Court Brack and Blarney. Now, Keith is in Pharmacy First in Glenmire. Good morning, what happened? Um, well, overnight PJ, we uh, received a phone call from the alarm company to say the alarm was going off and the guys are here ahead of us and we had visitors and while we were expecting a flood and a number of years ago we were flooded here, my last instructions to make sure the flood barrier was in and the flood and Lorenzo didn't visit us but we had, uh, we were broken into um, again down in Glenmire. They get much... Uh, that we're not sure of yet. Uh, they seem to know what they were doing. Um, look, the, the guards are investigating it, and we, we don't know. Um, we're very much now just picking up literally all the pieces of glass so the people are safe. We we'll hope to open up in about 15 minutes for everyone. People are very nice. Everyone's nice coming up and offering. Someone came along and said, do you want a cup of tea? Mm. You know, it's lovely to see a sense of community. That's what And they people that's understand what people it, do. you know. Yeah, that's um, however, it's look, we've had a very, very troubling few weeks. Uh, we've had forces of nature, and now we've had this. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You had, uh, of course, you, you were you were affected by the big fire in Douglas as well, weren't you? That's right. Yeah, we. Uh, that was the thirty first of August. So, as everyone knows, the the centre is closed, and we have no indication when that'll open. Now, we are relocating to the woollen mills. That's so, right. So I was so literally to Michael, at the entrance yeah. to one. Yeah. So uh, the regulators out this week, and they, funny enough, I had a, a security assessment with the guards who were really helpful. Uh, during the week to help us in identify any potential um, risks, security risks, yeah. and uh, little did we know that it wouldn't be there would be the issue. 
Um, so we hope to be open in Douglas within the next week. Uh, all things going well. And, and you'll, be open, uh, you'll be open in Glenmore at 10 o'clock, you sir, maybe 11 o'clock. Ah, yeah, with 15 minutes. Half I mean, we've, we've all the bits open up now. and The girls, the staff and everyone are... Sorry about that. Go ahead. I know, sorry, the, the staff and everybody uh, got an awful shock when they arrived this morning. That's what they were expecting. And yeah. uh, look, we've all had a cup of tea and we're all... Good, good. Is the damage um, done? Relaxed. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the panes of glass, which... Uh, they did, and uh, some of the internal units are all damaged and destroyed. Uh, usual kind of stuff, uh, things thrown around the place. Um, yeah, right, very, right. very unfortunate, and it's, it's tough enough as everyone knows at the moment. Uh, we, we certainly don't need uh, things like this. But as I say, all our patients and customers and comments on Facebook and online have been very, very nice, and it's great to see at a time of like this that you know. Ah, yeah, people, what we people, do for will people, is, people will come. Yeah, out. they are. They. They respect what we do for them and, and, and likewise. So thanks to everybody in the Glanmire area for all the help. And the guards have been here since 3 o'clock this morning. Can't say enough about them. Great. And uh, look, good luck. We'll be open again in a few minutes. All so right. Thanks. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for that. Keith O'Hara at Pharmacy First in Glanmire, robbed during the night. 1850-715-996. Foda have sent out an email to customers from their Wonder Christmas experience. Now, they're keeping it on brand which I guess that's their prerogative. But if I got this, I'd be hopping up and down if I had been caught up in this. To remind you again, what happened was people started booking their places at the Wonder Christmas Experience on Wednesday, as Kira explained to us earlier on this morning. She booked at full price and she was grand. She was quite happy to pay 104 quid for her package. And within minutes, she heard of other people who had been booking the same package she was booking and were getting it at 52 quid, half price. And loads of people got it at half price because a code that should only have applied to certain people like members of the resort or people who own all that kind of a, a, a code for certain people got out into the general populace and they've been trying to mop up the mess ever since they issued this email this morning to people who were affected ho 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 hello there Gizmo McToggles here IT elf extraordinaire we've heard through Candy Cane Lane there's been a bit of trouble afoot with the Christmas bookings this year there was a slight blunder with the Wonder website and a secret back door opened where 50% discounts could be added to bookings by simply selecting Submit Code on the discount bar without any code inputted. Like all secrets, everyone quickly found out and the map to the back door spread like elf fire. We would like to apologise for any inconvenience caused by this error and a human from Photo Island Resort will be in touch soon with more details. Oh, and before I forgot... As some of the boys and girls already know, the human team down at Photo Island Resort sent an email with an exclusive discount code for their members. Unfortunately, this code had been given out to the public now and our elves had to step in and now all discount codes have been deactivated. Our elf human liaison officer is at the ready and the humans in Photo Island Resort are reviewing all bookings and will be contacting non-members to clarify their details in the next seven working days. We would like to thank everyone for their patience while we fix this technical glitch and someone from our human team will be in touch soon. Kind regards, Gizmo McToggles, Elf Director of IT North Pole.
Now, I get the need to stay on brand, but a couple of things going on here. First of all, the language is silly in a situation like this. You, like, tell people what you've done wrong. And secondly, what is going... It doesn't say what's going to happen now. It said they've deactivated all discount codes. That's fine. What's going to happen to people who bought and got a discount they weren't expecting? Email doesn't answer that question. 1850 715 Now, we got away very, very lightly with the storm. Um, yesterday morning around this time, it was looking hot and heavy out there, and looking very wet and very windy. And then Lorenzo decided to give us a break and moved off in the afternoon, still a bit breezy, and moved off up the west coast and left us alone pretty much throughout the, the night. Although there were some people up around Charleville, in fact, quite a lot of people around Charleville, I believe, had no power this morning. But we did get off very lightly uh, as regards Lorenzo Cormac with the Cork Harbour Weather Alerts Centre. We did, didn't we, Cormac? We didn't expect him to, to go so easy on us. Good morning. We, we, we did indeed, PJ. Good morning. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where, um, yeah, I, I suppose, you know, it's it's important to remind ourselves it's great it worked out this way. Um, you know, the, there's a real challenge for forecasters at the moment. Um, you know, Lorenzo is the third of what is in reality a new kind of storm that, that we haven't really had here before. And that's these hurricanes that are forming in the eastern side of the Atlantic and then coming up here. We've had Ophelia, which we know how much, you know, the disruption that caused. I believe a figure of something like 70 million has been put on that particular event. We had Helene, which was, was disruptive but less serious. Mm. And now we've had Lorenzo, a third one, which basically pretty much fizzled out. Mm. But none of us could have known that. So, you know, uh, the first thing to say is it's great that's what happened because it meant particularly, um, um, you know, people on the West Coast, I think, had a lucky escape. Um, mm. I, I believe some of the highest wind speeds recorded last night were in the kind of 100 kilometres an hour mm. bracket, which is, you know, it's 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 bad weather. But Galway you know, and Mayo seem to be the worst affected. Galway and Mayo seem to be the worst affected. But, you know, um, um, it, it certainly seemed to end up about 30 kilometres below you know, what the, the, the forecast models were suggesting would be the worst of it. Yeah. Um, and for that, we should be very, very grateful. Do you know the way but, people you know, come around, Cormac, every time this happens, or if it happens, like last evening now, people were taking the mickey out of weather forecasters and saying, you haven't a clue what you're doing, or you're trying to frighten us, and all this and all that. Is, is it the absolute scientific truth that you really don't know what something like Lorenzo is going to do until he's actually here? Yeah, I, I mean, look, the, 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 so weather is what's known scientifically as a chaotic system. So you can never fully predict what's going to happen. What you, what you end up, what you're doing all the time is basically you're making better and better and better guesses. Yes. It's all about kind of probability. So it's a bit like gambling to some extent. I mean, mm. it's a bad, bad corollary in one sense, but the, the science underneath it is, is kind of similar. So basically what you're doing is all the time you're looking at possible futures, and you're going, right, which one is most likely to happen? But that's all you can ever say. You can never be sure. And, yeah. and, and the thing is here, no, no matter how much technology, no matter how much money, no matter how much people you throw at the problem, you will never be certain. So you're always in this situation where, where uh, you know, particularly when it is a, a potentially, you know, significant, dangerous event, yeah. you, ha- you reach a point where you have to go, look, we have to, based on the best information we have now, we have to issue warnings to, to, to you know, to, to, to protect life and property and so on. And that's that's what happens in these situations. And inevitably, now and again, a situation is going to happen where, you know, thankfully, it doesn't turn out to be as bad as as, as, 
as 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 the models predict. Yeah. But you know, I I would always strongly defend that that as I say, the precautionary principle yeah. in a situation like this, the only sensible thing to do. Because we are talking, you know, here about people's about people's lives and, and, and about property and so on, is is you know to, to, to be sensible about it. And, and yeah, look, I've seen a lot of the stuff online in the last twenty four hours. You know, that 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 you know, various state agencies being accused of being sensationalist and everything else, and and, and that's not fair and it's not right. You know, and mm. um, they 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 have a job to do, and and to be fair to them, I think they do do a very very good job in, in very challenging circumstances. We tend to forget in Ireland that an actual fact forecasting the weather in this part of the world is actually one of the most challenging meteorological jobs on the planet it is you know yeah, because yeah. of the, because of where we are because of the systems we're in here so you at know, the best at the best times of the year uh, our weather is unpredictable yeah exactly and, and again the, the, the you know the, the sometimes it's easier to predict further into the future so for example high pressure systems Generally, the the atmosphere is more stable. Therefore, you know it it, it is easier to predict mm. longer into the future, and the chances of you being right are higher. But with a system like Lorenzo, as, as I mentioned in the last couple of days, the last time we were talking, you know, there's so much power in it, and it's changing so quickly that you know it's very very difficult to say which of the possible futures are actually likely to play out. Mm. And what seems to have happened with with Lorenzo. Um, um, is because is like like every other sort of weather enthusiast out there, we're looking at it this morning, going, "Well, right, what actually happened? You know, wh- wh- why did it go the way it mm. went?" <laughs> and and you know, the extra distance of of travelling up along the the water on the Atlantic off the west coast of Ireland yeah. appears to have sucked the energy out of it faster than maybe the models were predicting. Yeah. Yeah. It also slowed down a bit, and then when it turned right, it seemed to stall a little as well. So yeah. all of that sort of took some of the the punch out of it. And, and you and know, consequently, when you look back now on afterwards, what did happen? As as opposed to what people thought might happen. Is, sure. is that science then, Cormac, is that analysed and worked back into the system so oh. that for the next time we can look at what happened and maybe make a more accurate prediction? Absolutely. That, 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 that work, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully confident, is already going on and it won't just be Met Aaron doing this. It'll be the European forecasters. It'll be the, the, the folks who work in the National Hurricane Centre in Miami. You know, the, the, every time there is an event like this, it's analysed. And, 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 you know, you can be sure as well that, that the forecasters sit down and they look at their own performance and they go, OK, did we get this one? You know, did we do the best we, we, we could have done here? Or did we, you know, did, did we, did we, could we do better next time? And that is part of the process of forecasting. You always do a, you know, a hot wash-up, as we call it, the morning after and go, right, OK, where are we? And then there will be a detailed analysis of, of what happened. And, and anybody who has an interest in whether it's worth going on, for example, to the MetAaron website, where they have reports okay. about, you know, significant events, and you can see the kind of analysis that goes on there. What was the run-up to it? What actually happened, you know, in the course of it? The warnings that were issued and all of the rest of that, the, 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 the forecast wind speeds and so on versus what was actually observed. And, yeah, so it's a continual process of learning. But no matter how much of that learning you do, there will always be that piece of uncertainty. So, you know, you get to a point where you have to go, well, what is the sensible thing to do from a society and a community point of view? And and the only sensible thing to do when it's something like Lorenzo is bearing down on you is, is to issue appropriate warnings in due time 
and and you know you're acting on you're basically you're acting on the best information that is available to you. you All know, right, and, and that's the way it works. Thanks as always for your expertise at a time like this. That's Cormac Cooper Gabrours, Gabrours rather from the uh, Cork Harbour Weather Alerts Service. Loads of them around the place, and they're all studying the the, the maps and the models and whatever. And you know what? When a warning comes out, heed it. Heed it because it's made in the best possible interest. It's made with the best information to hand. And if Lorenzo or whoever happens to be after him decides to decides to uh, change their mind, well, that's entirely up to themselves. Eighteen fifty, and like I said, they don't have a press office to tell us. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Ed was on to us. Uh, to say with regard to the fellas windsurfing and whatever else they do in the course of a storm. Let's ban windsurfing and wave sailing and fine or imprison anyone who defies the ban. Just to be consistent, let's do the same for any other activity that carries equal or greater risk. The stats tell us injury rates are several times higher for soccer, so that's out. And the GAA will have to go the same way. Since smoking kills a lot more users than windsurfing without the exercise benefits, We'll be banning that too. We need to do the same for alcohol over liver damage, for fatty foods over heart disease, sugary foods over diabetes. Lack of exercise is a major factor in morbidity and mortality across the population with enormous costs. Hello, HSE budget overrun. And so too much time on the sofa is also out. Mandatory exercise for us all at 7am with fine and imprisonment if you don't turn up. Thank you. 1850-715-996. Now, one man who does want to say a few words this morning about the people he represents at a time like this is Paddy O'Brien. Paddy, we got away very lightly uh, from Storm Lorenzo, but, you know, some of the elderly people and some of the sick people might be worth calling in to them anyway. Good morning. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. And thanks again for bringing me on your programme. Uh, well, thank God. I mean, thank God that... Um, we didn't get that awful weather as predicted, and I would not criticise anyone. I mean, we're better off in a, a told in advance and how it's going to be because pe- people would take precautions. But I, I would make um, the point that uh, I think it's very important that people still keep an eye to elderly people. People are nervous today and yesterday to go out to the local shop. People could run out of food, people could run out of heating, and not because we were threatened with desperate weather. I think that. Um, from now on, for the duration of the winter, I think people should be more vigilant for elderly people. Mm. I don't want to bring up the past, but we had two uh, awful tragedies in the last few months in Cork. Two uh, nice gentlemen were found um, dead alone. So this must not be repeated whatsoever. But we all have a role. And I think what, what I have found out of late, people assume. I would say to people, such a, well, I thought Nora was going, I thought Mr. Saunter was going. No. We all have a role to play the call to the elderly people and keep an eye on them. And another thing, I know lots of people down in West Cork and East Cork and down North are listening to your programme. Anyone with any electricity problems this morning, I would say, don't, don't, don't light a candle. Don't light a candle. We're all walking in the dark. A candle. You are asking for trouble. People who have were out heat at the moment. My message: they must keep warm. 
Mm. Keep, keep warm. Now, it's very important to this specifically and directly to the elderly. Keep yourself warm. Don't be a bit embarrassed to wear an overcoat on you around the house. Don't be a bit embarrassed to put on some headgear and then at night time put an extra overcoat on you in bed. And if you want to put it, and I mean this, I'm not being funny. If you want to put the tea cozy on your head, do so. You've said that before, do, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. You must look after yourself. And I'm saying, no, not because we weren't, we're not experienced this awful weather as predicted. I would say all of us, we must continue this vigilance to look after the elderly mm. because elderly people can't speak for themselves. You have a lot of elderly people who are housebound. A lot of people are, um, they're uh, living alone. Yeah. They're afraid to come out. And elderly people will not ask. They will not ask for help. It's up to each and every one of us. And I'm repeating again that we must all say, "Okay, I'm going to play my role. I'm going to be more vigilant. And of course, Paddy, we've gotten off lightly this time, but we can take it almost as an absolute certainty that sometime between now and February, we're going to get heavy winds, we're going to get heavy rain, we're going to get cold, we're possibly going to get frost and snow. So, you know, just just always keep an eye on your elderly neighbours. Thank you very much. Paddy O'Brien, 1850-715-996. Yesterday we are talking about, um, we touched based on breast cancer and we reminded ourselves in the course of that that it is also breastfeeding week this week. It is. And Simon Harris, the Minister of Health, uh, you know, you can always say he does this wrong and that wrong and the other wrong, but it's come out this week and said that Ireland has a lot to do in relation to breastfeeding supports for women. Six out of ten babies in Ireland are breastfed by the time they leave hospital. That's an increase of only 10% in the last 10 years. And of course, the minister himself is a new daddy. So this kind of stuff has come right into his own home. I don't know how old their baby is now, but he's a new daddy. And I guess, you know, you've become, apart from it being your job to do it as Minister for Health, you become a bit more aware when it comes over your own threshold. Take it up with Sandra next. 1850 This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. We've had a lot of messages about that email sent out to customers from FOTA this morning. Just one or two responses. I'll read them out in a while. People not overly happy, I might as well tell you. 1850 715 But it is breastfeeding week. Um, and in a week which the minister has announced that there will be more breastfeeding supports. He said he's prioritising the expansion of breastfeeding support for women. He says Ireland is sadly lagging behind and has a lot to do in relation to breastfeeding support. And I guess it's kind of his job to make sure that that improves. Sandra, good morning. Good morning, PJ. You you live halfway between Cork and Limerick, is it? Yeah, so I'm, well, I'm actually closer to Cork, Um so I would be about 40 minutes from CUH and an hour from Limerick Maternity Hospital. Okay. But why um, why did you opt for Limerick then? So you would think, you know, naturally <laughs> I would go for Cork because when you're going to have a baby, I suppose logistically, you want to go for the closest hospital. Yes. Um, but I was really quite determined to breastfeed um, before I ever had my baby Noah. And I just did a lot of research and discovered that Limerick had a much stronger support network for breastfeeding mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's not it's not a slight in any way against Cork. It just seems to be that the Limerick Maternity Hospital is just that bit further ahead with their supports and services that they have for mothers. 
Um, so that was actually what swayed me um, as to where I would have my baby. Can I ask an awful, stupid, typical man question? Work away. <laughs> right. my, now, my two were bottle-fed from the start, but that's that's how it goes. Um, and that was a while ago. Like, what specific support does a woman need when she goes to breastfeed her child? So, I suppose, really, when you think about it, you just think, okay, you have the equipment, you know, the boobs are there. Um, so what else could you possibly need? But there are a lot of just small things that can pop up um, and present obstacles that you don't expect. Um, so a lot of mothers will go to breastfeeding classes before they ever have the baby. So they are available in most hospitals. Um, and I went to them in Limerick before I had Noah while pregnant. So they run five antenatal classes for free. Um, for every mother, regardless of what sort of health plan you're on. And in Limerick, three of those five classes will talk about breastfeeding. And what did you learn at those classes, for example? So just how to hold the baby, how to latch them on, what kind of behaviour to expect when they're born, um, different protocols in place, whether you have a section or a vaginal birth, or if you're away from the baby for a few hours, what you can expect. Um, A lot of people, this is a trend I saw when I was pregnant, a lot of people from the outset wanted to combination feed, which would be to give the baby both bottle and breast. Yes. Um, And they wanted to do that. It seemed more for a combination of their own convenience and also so the dad could give a bottle. Um, And what a lot of people didn't seem to understand was that for every bottle you give, your body's going to make less milk. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so it's and that was something that I didn't realise at all and I learned that at the class and I was like, oh wow, okay. Because you would naturally think, well, if I'm going to be tired and I've just given birth, mm. I might want a little bit of a break and yes. I might want Dad to give a few bottles. Yeah, because the most natural thing in the world when you get home from, from the hospital or in, in a couple of weeks in, you'd absolutely give anything for, for a full night's sleep. sleep. Yep. And, <laughs> and if Dad is willing to get up during the night and, and give a couple of bottles, which became kind of my shift for a long time, I didn't exactly. mind doing it at all because I work crazy hours anyway, or did, yeah. did then. You know, it gave, it, it gave herself a good six, seven, eight hours of unbroken sleep which is which is precious it's gold dust at that stage yeah it really is um but like that i didn't realize that for every bottle of formula that's given your body is giving one less feed so unless you are um pumping and expressing milk while the baby would be getting a bottle that would be the only way to sort of counteract that and then you're not sleeping obviously (laughs) yeah so you got more you you felt that limerick was better prepared yeah, so I just felt really educated and supported going into um, going into labour. And um, as soon as I'd had Noah, um, what happened with us, we'd planned for a natural birth and, of course, best laid plans and all that. Um, I ended up having an emergency C-section uh, just because of the position of his head. And but that so must have made things difficult afterwards because you'd be very sore. You'd be quite, yeah. So you're limited in terms of lifting the baby, carrying the baby. And also, yeah, you've had major surgery, you know. Um, it's not the way a lot of people think of it, but you have. You know, you've you've had quite, quite a lot done to you. Um, so initially, he wouldn't latch on at all. Um, and again, I was like, look, I really want to breastfeed. I really want to breastfeed. <laughs> and the midwives, the lactation consultants, and the nurses were really supportive. They kept trying and kept trying. Um, Noah actually ended up in neonatal for six days um, after he was born. So what we did was we started giving him formula because we had no other choice. He wouldn't actually feed from me. Um, And then it was by day three, I started pumping. So they brought in a pump to my bedside. There were nurses literally, like I would say, 
I met five lactation consultants in the six days we were in there, which is amazing. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Um, yeah, and I mean, they were coming in every few hours. There were notes on my chart. They were ringing me. Yeah. There was just an amazing amount of support. Yeah. Um, so even though he wasn't feeding directly from me, he was still getting breast milk. And then once we got home, we were able to, to get on our journey properly once he was a little bit stronger. Yeah, just a quick question after coming in there because, like... People ask these questions. Yeah, of course. If you if 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 you skip a feed and 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 Dad gives a bottle, and you yeah. say the body realizes that it's not being fed and will cut down the amount of milk made. Can you counteract that by pumping then? Yes. Yeah, you can. So what you'd have to do is now this is just again like obviously I'm not an expert. I'm just this is my from my own experience. You're a mother. You're um, as close to yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So if the baby is getting a bottle from Dad, you would have to pump at the same time. Um, just to make sure your body is still making the milk. Um, so for a newborn, it would be every three hours you right. would be pumping. Right, okay. Um, and then, obviously, your ideal would be that you would have the bottle of express milk from right. yourself to give the baby as opposed to giving formula. I have you. I have you. Yeah. All right. Um, so, I mean, Noah now will, he'll take either a bottle of my milk or he will take just a direct breastfeed. Um, but either way, it's all breast milk and he's seven months old now. Right. So it's amazing to still be on that journey. And... I mean, I expected a little bit of surprise even if I would be feeding in public. I have fed him everywhere, PJ. <laughs> as you should <laughs> be able I mean, to. Everywhere. <laughs> as you and I've never be able had to. so much as a battered eyelid. I'm not joking. Right. I've had people come over, give me glasses of water, ask me if I want a cup of coffee. Um, like, what's quite funny is that, um, like, yeah, I've been in business meetings with Noah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so. And nobody, like, it's just the norm now, and it should be the norm. And I think women need to feel more supportive and more comfortable feeding in public because that can be, it can be a daunting prospect yeah. for a woman. Do you know Because that, you're not used to exposing yourself, and you're not exposed. That's the thing to not, remember. No, it's not you like can you're be very jumping, discreet it's not like you're and very and comfortable. Clothes off. No, it's ridiculous. No. Absolutely not. No, no. it's not. I mean, and, you see nothing. The baby's head covers everything. And here's the thing, like, the, the learning, learning what to do when you are having a baby and all that is an important thing but maybe the rest of those rest of people and I don't count myself thankfully among this but people who have an objection maybe they need to learn to mind their own blasted business that's it yeah I mean if it's nothing to do with you you know that's about the goal of it I mean I've had friends who fed their babies in toilets and yeah. I just think that's so sad it's horrible would you I mean, you know, would you, like, would you, go you into, wouldn't eat your own lunch in the toilet exactly, you know? exactly. it's crazy Sandra good to talk to you and our best to Noah and the rest of the family 1850 you, you would think wouldn't you that having his own child would have sort of upped Simon Harris's awareness here maybe that's why he's doing this Give the, as the fellow said, give the man credit where it's due. God, just rarely enough he gets it. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96 FM. Cleaner, who we spoke to earlier about the situation in Fota. Uh, has said she's been speaking to some friends of hers this morning and they've been on to Fota. They managed to get through and they'll have to either pay the difference or wait for a full refund. Um, Cleaner says she can't get through to them herself. And some other comments with regard to the email they sent out this morning. Anya said, Santa and Christmas magic should not be priced to the highest bidder and those who can pay more experience better. Shame on photo for charging a fortune for the first place and shame on anyone who'd abuse the online codes. 
even if I understand why they would. Sick to death of Christmas being a farce, money-making scam. We're setting an early example for our children by allowing this to take over. It should be a time to teach them that being with people you love and all that is what's more important. Look, it's voters prerogative to run this whatever way they do and if you don't want to pay for it, don't pay for it. It is expensive but by all accounts it's a magnificent show and nothing to take from it. It's a super show. My kids are well past that now but I'd love to be able to take them to it because by all accounts it's fantastic. Helen says, I didn't buy them because once was enough. I didn't was I thought it was overpriced. Anita says Gizmo. This is the person who signed the email. Gizmo sounds to me though there are currently more gremlins than elves attached to this event. Do you know? Look, it, it seems to have been screwed up a little bit. I, I wasn't too impressed with the email, but that's that's my matter. They're doing something about it, and if we can find out more, if they'd answer our phone or answer our email, then maybe we could talk to them and see what they want to do. There's been a mess, a cock-up anyway. The rumour we're getting to the friends that Kira has been talking to is that they're going to either, either offer people a full refund or get them, give them an opportunity to pay the balance if they weren't entitled to the online discount. 1850-715-996 Oh, and a lot of people who've contacted us now, you see. This is always happens. People are always honest in the end when they're sort of, all right, fess up, hand in the air. To be honest, a lot of people who contacted us this morning, uh, this is coming from the executive research uh, desk, they have said they were chancing their arm using the code. So it's a bit more complicated than it appears. Some people were entitled to it. Some people didn't use it at all, but got a discount they didn't expect. And some used it, used it chancing their arm and knowing it wasn't for them. Okay. All right. As I said, if we can get onto photo, we will. 1850-715-996. We are trying with little success. Now, there's an alleged sexual assault, I think, being investigated in Middleton. Seamus Whelan from the East Cork Journal can bring us up to speed. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, PJ. What can you tell me, sir? Well, basically, um, the situation is that they, there was a group of uh, young girls out on a night out on the Saturday the 21st of September. Um, later on in the evening, uh, one of the uh, girls became separated from the group. She'd, uh, she had gone for a cigarette. And during uh, when she didn't come back, her friends um, assumed that she had met somebody um, uh, in, in a bar in, um, in Middleton. Um, and then uh, following that, uh, the, the lady um, has... Uh, reported to Gardaí uh, an alleged sexual assault took place um, in the early hours of the 22nd of September. Now, Gardaí um, have confirmed that they are investigating the situation. Nobody has been arrested um, at, at this present time. Okay, so no arrest, but uh, it, it, it is an ongoing investigation. It's an ongoing investigation, um, and they, they, they've confirmed that the... Um, that the uh, the invest that they they are taking the the issue with uh, very seriously. Now right. I do believe the bar in um, in question was closed for a time on Sunday the twenty second of September while Garda Forensics uh, uh, went about um, their 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 work there. Okay. All right, we'll follow it on with interest. Thank you very much, Seamus Wheelahan from the East Cork Journal eighteen fifty seven one five. Nine nine six. I booked tickets yesterday. I didn't use any code. It discounted automatically with Fota. I didn't know about any code. I didn't want to use a code. I just did it to book for me. 
those are still coming in. Now, I spoke to Dave. In fact, I visited him down in his little flat in the share complex, Doonreach down there in the Middle Parish. I went down to visit Dave during the summer and he told me about the difficult situation in which he was living and he also took me on a visit around the uh, complex and I was able to see, a blind man could see, the damp and the difficult situation in which some people are living and Dave was doing his level best to get moved out of it because Dave has COPD, advanced lung disease and damp is the enemy. Damp really is the enemy when you live with that sort of a condition. Uh, he's been on national radio since and he is still, I believe, Dave, trying to get himself out of that little place. Dave came home from Germany uh, to Cork because of the severity of his condition. He just wants to be here when, I guess, as he says himself, the end goes. Let's check in with him. Dave, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How, how, how are you first, my friend? How are you, how are you health-wise? Well, well the, the health is failing, but... Um yeah, I'm 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 okay. Good I'm man. Okay, yeah. Good man. Now you you brought me down during the summer and you showed me mm. what you're what you're living with and and that yeah. and the damp in the laundry yeah. room and the damp on the ceiling yeah. of the television room and all of that and 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 the difficulty with circulation of air in your own yeah. little room and you've been trying to get out of it since with unfortunately no success. No, uh, I've got no replies from. Um, you see. You see. <coughs> I sent a lot of emails to. Uh, can I mention the housing manager? His name. Just maybe leave the names out of it. Just, men, just uh, mention who you. The housing been... manager at City Hall. Okay. I sent him all the photographs of the <coughs> of the fungus and the mould. Uh, I sent him uh, all the email correspondence that I had with, even with councillors and even with the Lord Mayor's office, and he never once contacted me back. I sent everything to a locations uh, officer, the woman at uh, Housen. She never contacted me back. <coughs> I went every, this is true now, City Hall can't deny this, Housen. <coughs> I went every morning to City Hall Housen, and I stood in the queue every morning, Monday to Friday, handing up new documents I, from, from the, the lung tests I did at Mercy. Dr. Corrin did them. Mm. He sent them personal letters, urging them to transfer me. I have the letters here, the copies, to transfer me to a ground floor with no fungus, no mold, mm. and hopefully ventilation. My own uh, GP, <coughs> uh, Dr. Con Murphy, also from the Medical Street Centre, uh, Washington Street, also sent similar letters. Yeah. Not once have City Hall contacted me. Just let me finish this one, please. <coughs> I went every day, every day to City Hall, and every day one of those people there told me there will be an answer in the post. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, finally... The, uh, a locations officer, she sent an email saying when they moved me into this uh, room surrounded by fungus and mold, they took me automatically off the waiting list. Yeah. That means all these months they have been lying to me. I've been giving up documents, <clears throat> believing they were taking this seriously, and all these months she realised 
uh, I was not even on the waiting list. Right. They lied to me all these months. I've contacted... Did, did anyone, did people actually say to you, Dave, at any point at all, we are considering your request here? They just no, didn't reply? never, never, oh, never. Okay. <clears throat> I, I contacted uh, Cork Fire Brigade to come here and make an inspection. They said no. Shale uh, takes care of their own problems. I contacted HSE Dublin. They said no. I went to Grattan Street HSE two days ago again, and they said we're not responsible. City Hall housing inspectors. They refused to come here too. Yeah. I've sent everything now even to the bishop. I've sent, I've spoken with his secretary. I hope that man can, you know, do something here yeah. before we have more debts. You know? This is our new bishop now who will be a new medical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. sent everything. I spoke with his personal secretary. Okay. <clears throat> I found out he has three secretaries and I spoke with one of them on the phone. Yeah. I sent her everything and I sent her the, fo- the photographs of the uh, fungus and everything. Yeah. The fish tanks, the fish died upstairs all overnight. Get yeah. this. This is true. Yeah. This will make you laugh. I said it to the woman in charge, the fish are dead. They're on their stomach. And she said, they're sleeping. And I said, fish don't sleep in their stomach. Mm-hmm. And they've been on their stomach for three days now. Yeah, you showed me those those, those fish tanks when I was in there with oh, you. I showed you, walk, didn't I? Yeah, you walked yeah. me around the whole place. And yeah. to be honest, that laundry well, room that laundry room is, is, is dreadful as well. Yeah. In the, last two de- to, uh, in the last four days now, sorry, I've been checking the ceilings outside where I lived, upstairs, and there's such new water spots now. They're appearing, they're bulging. Yeah. Do you know where, where the second fish tank was? Yes, right above there. Mm. The ceiling is bulging. Okay. All right. Uh, nobody will accommodate me. Uh, I have to say none of the councillors will do anything for me, and I have to say their names, McBarry and Alden and McFinn, they ignore me. Dan Boyle, they ignore me. Uh, did did they Dan Boyle not come to see you? And, 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 and emails, mm. they, they don't even contact me. I mean, it's shameful. Did anyone come to see you, Dave? McBarry came here, and then that was it. Okay. Uh, Dan Boyle came here, and that was it. I heard no more from him. Paddy mm. Deneen came, and you saw my room? I did, I did. Paddy Deneen suggested, between the bed and the cooker, put a, a, as he said, partition. Make an even smaller space for you. And, and, and the only bit of light then would be by the cooker, and I would be, my living space would be complete dark, yeah. and I'd have to use light all the time. Yeah. I told him, uh, Mr. Deneen, in our country we have a partition called the border. Uh, most people, because of religion, in their head have a partition and you want to put a partition in my room, mm. get out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, and that, normally that, I'm nice to people. Uh, but that, that conversation didn't end well, you told me about that. So, Dave, no, no move. Now, you're, you're, look, you must be. Uh, you're, 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 you have a very serious illness, COPD. I know uh, my, late, my late father had it. Yeah. You know, it's a very serious illness. Yeah. It, 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 and, and you're taking a lot of medication. And damp, damp is your enemy. And you can't open that. If you can't open your window now because of the window. Like, how, how, who could have opened I, I, the window I yesterday? Have, I, I still have the window open twenty-four hours a day. I, I can't sit outside much anymore because the the benches are wet, the banks yeah. are wet. Like, yeah, yeah. 
so I have to be in the room or you often, can't risk getting a cold because you're no, in right trouble no. yeah. and yeah. I don't cook I only cook once a week and yeah. I cook enough for the whole week and then eat it cold yeah, yeah, you know yeah. um, a woman a couple of doors down uh, she was taking a shower she came knocking at my door two days ago she's from Mayo she came back from America sick and they put her in here too she's here before me and um, she was taking a shower and these fungus bugs came up through the shower and started biting her. She knocked at yes. my door. Yeah, she knocked at my door. Uh, she was bleeding from these wounds. Do you know what people from Shea told her? Yeah. She has her window open and these are insects coming in from the tree. Uh, for God's sake, that's now, I'm a landscape gardener and, yeah. you know, insects will come in from the tree. Yeah. But it's nature. They yeah. go back out. They go back the out. They don't, they don't go into the shower. Do you ever go? Uh, to, uh, I captured some of these bugs in a glass jar. I went into her little room. Yeah. She was sleeping on the couch. Do you remember I showed you the community room? Yes, yes Where yes, the yes. telly is yes, and yes. on the wet carpet and yes, all yes. the fungus. Yes. There's a little couch there. She was sleeping on that couch for three weeks. None of us knew anything about it. Because she wouldn't she sleep in her room. sleep in her room. Because of the bugs. Dave, I'm going to pause it there because, we, again, you've, you're going very public with this. You're entitled to do it, and what's happening to you is dreadful. And that's Dave Kearney. I went to see Dave during the summer. The situation is not healthy for a man in his condition. It's a grand little bed, Sid, for someone who has a good in good health. It's a grand little place. But Dave is in, in bad health. He has letters and he has prescriptions and medicines and all of that. And he just simply cannot get out of there. No one's taking any notice of him. And if you look at it, only across the road from him, only across the road and up a bit, as it were, is where Orla was. Orla was telling us about being in a Dell house and there being damp and mould and things called silverfish in the room. And silverfish, they're just a little, a little bug that's attracted to damp. Like, what kind of conditions are we keeping people in? What kind of conditions are we keeping misfortunate people in in, in, in 2019? It's not good enough, like. It just is not good enough. Dave Frank says, the bishop has three secretaries? There's a bigger staff than the opinion line. You're not wrong, Frank. This is Court's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Court's 96FM. Kevin says about substandard accommodation, if an employer forced you to work in unsafe working conditions, they could be heavily fined or worse. Landlords just get paid. Who's the real mug? But Mary on WhatsApp says, Dave is a well-able man who spent his life abroad and is the first person she's ever heard criticising share accommodation. Well, he's not a well-able man. He's quite a sick man, taking quite a lot of accommodation. And that's why he came home, Mary. If this is the type of individual that are housed by share it makes me think again. What do you mean by the type of individual? I've been at least I have the advantage, Mary. He's not a stranger. I've been down and I've visited his little place. It is not suitable for him. A blind man can see it. I can see it, and I'm qualified. No, no, no way qualified. But anyway, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six on the phone. I know what it's like to have lung disease. Is there anyone out there that could independently assess this and create some kind of a report that would have to be acted upon? This has been going on for some time. That would cost money that Dave doesn't have, unfortunately. Has a da- caller has a daughter with COPD living in a flat with seven people for 24 months. The council has told her they will move her out several times, but 
place is Blackwood Mould and she's still there. 1850 Now, if you're looking for a visa to go to the United States, there are one or two things that you need to be aware of. Uh, and uh, Tracy, I think you've come across it. I've, we've heard of it before. Is it the ESTA? It's gone, unfortunately, guys. It's gone. Um, try and get it back for me there. The, the, is it the ESTA? I'll just pull out the piece of paper that I have here. But when you're going to the States, yeah, here we go. When you're going to the States, you, you have to have an ESTA visa. And there are several sites offering to organize the ESTA visa for you. But Tracy posted on Facebook, if anyone travelling to the USA, be very careful what site you apply for your ESTA visa on because Tracy just got charged €200. Euro. We can't get back to her on the phone, unfortunately. Tracy got charged €200 euro for her son because she applied through an unofficial site. They make them look that way. It's a very deceptive campaign to fleece travellers to the States. The site I was on even had letterheads on their site saying Department of Homeland Security. It looked totally official. So for a process when done to the average, the actual government site, it costs €14. Euro. Uh, be careful and double-check you're on the right site. Don't get stung like me. Some of the companies are charging even more than that. We can't, unfortunately, contact Tracy at the moment, but I have heard of this one before. You've got to get this ESTA to go to the States, and it's either very cheap or free from an official site. But if you, there are other sites offering to do it for you. And yeah, they will do it for you. And they'll charge you a small fortune for it. But just be careful. 1850-715-996. There's a new book coming out. Um, Ethna Shorthall has penned a new novel called Three Little Truths. It's a very uh, well-received book internationally. It's the BBC Radio 2 Book Club Choice for the Autumn. And look, um, ethnic, it's, it's uh, said to be it's a, a combination of Marion Keyes, Maeve Binchy, and Leanne Moriarty. And you're probably wondering why am I talking about a new book? Because in it, there is a very strong Cork angle. Ethna Shorthall is arts correspondent for the Sunday World and has read the book. Good morning, Ethna. How are you? Hi, the Sunday Times. Sunday Times. There, yeah. Okay. I beg your pardon. Tell me about Three Little Truths. Um, well, the general premise is about three women that have moved into a row, onto this road, a uh, suburban Irish suburb, and um, they're all new, and one of them particularly has moved there in mysterious circumstances, and this gets all the rest of the neighbours talking. So the story is framed around a WhatsApp group. We have these constant interludes of all the gossipy um, neighbours on the road uh, talking about the new people in the WhatsApp group and they're also talking about the general concerns of the road. But there's also a scandal up at the local secondary school. Um, One of the neighbours is the principal, another neighbour is on the parents' association. They live next door to each other and this leads to many fights. Um, But there, yeah, there's a scandal in the bathroom there which I guess is the bit that you're maybe most interested in. I am, because it's a story that made news here in Cork a number of years ago and went, went national there was a list on the Mm. wall of a boy's bathroom in a school which was it got tagged as a rape list Um, yeah this happened in in mallow very controversial here at the time that's the inspiration for that level of the story 
Yeah, so I like when I was writing it, I knew I wanted there to be a scandal at the school and that it would have a sexual element to it, but I didn't want it to be extreme. I didn't want to write about a physical assault or anything like that. What I was generally interested in writing about is how women, young women, old women, but in this case, young women react to being um, the subject of a minor sexual assault. And I would see having your name on a so-called rape list as being the subject of a minor sexual assault. So when I was coming up with something to write, I didn't even fully realise, I didn't mean to draw on the what happened in the real life story, but I found myself writing about a, um, a rape list that um, appears on the back of a stall door in the toilets of the secondary school, the local secondary school. And it says at the top of the list, um, the girl with the most ticks will be raped. And then there's a list of girls' names. And I only when I finish writing the book did I go back to check. And that is, or the wording I have in the book, is the exact wording of um, what was written on this door in this real-life case, um, which was in the news for just a couple of days, I guess. But some things like that just seem so horrible and they leave such a bad taste in your mouth that you remember them months later. Yeah, indeed. It was a, it was a hor- horrific story at the time and the, the, the school involved were desperately embarrassed about it and wanted to try and he- help and all that. And they did their level best, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a... And yeah. I think it came to uh, national attention it because, uh, as I remember, someone rang... Uh, a phone show, um, a, a local phone show in Cork, and then it, it I think, yeah, the got, picked we, up. And we got calls about it at the time. Yeah. Just on, on, a, on a broader thing, uh, Ethna, you, you go very deep into the into the principles of the of the whole thing and, and, mm. and to the the experiences of of, of people like that. Um, I've I've only talked here about the the quality of Irish female writers writing mysteries and writing stories with strange mm. twists in them uh, and, and how people deal with strange twists in their lives. When you drew upon this incident, like you could write all kinds of stuff around that. Yeah, well, the thing is that I... I so I wrote that, you know, it, um, it happens relatively early in the book that this list appears and the principal has to decide what she's going to do about it. Should she inform all the parents? Because if she doesn't, well, they think she's covering it up. Or if she does inform them is she causing hysteria for no reason and so that's the first moral question before you even get into who wrote the list should they be punished you know um, and what should be done about it Um, and actually so I I put it I put it in the story and I wasn't necessarily thinking okay this is going to lead to twists or this will have a mystery element but as it went on I was playing with who was behind it the reason it appeared there and and how um, you know and the fallout of it and I have a few things in the book that are those kind of twists that maybe start off to me thinking thinking, oh, I know who wrote this, but then actually I end up changing it a few times. And the, the motives behind the person who wrote the list, is I don't want to give it away, but no. is um, one of the interesting things in the book and the things that people have responded really well to. And you said generally about women, um, Irish women writers, I mean, they're, like, I, I would say this, wouldn't I, but really they are doing incredibly well at the moment, particularly in this kind of genre of yeah thrillers, or, or and it's not quite a thriller, but mysteries, you know. Well, well I was um, only saying to Deirdre this morning, she's a far more pro- pro- prolific reader than I am, but th- I would probably have read about 20-something books this year, of which over three quarters of them have been by women, and half of those will be Irish women. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, I, I mean, like, it's a whole other conversation, you know, um, people talk about there being a gender bias against women. I have to say, in writing, I don't find that. And I believe that it was the case a few years ago, but I don't believe it is the case now because the calibre of writing is so strong that it's hard to ignore them, you know? It's hard to, to, to refuse to give them prizes or whatever. And I would think they probably still, women writers get less 
space, review space in broadsheet newspapers um, mm. because maybe they're not seen to be writing as literary works, as difficult works, you know. And I mean, my book uh, is it's popular fiction, as they call it. It's a story. Um, yeah, and I'm, that's, I'm happy for it to be that. Yeah. I love to read those yeah. kind of books about people that I think are real and have twists. And Absolutely. It, Absolutely. It's not postmodern, or you know, it doesn't oh, have any. It's a storybook, and there's an awful lot of yeah. old nonsense talked about fellas in flat caps and and professors and all this kind of carry on about what what should form good literature. If it's a good well, exactly, story and enjoyable yeah. read, then people will buy Thank it. You. I wish you well with it, Death, and I look forward to reading it myself. And it's the BBC Two Radio Book Club for the autumn and all of that. Can't wait to read it. It's it's um. It's called Three Little Truths. 1850-715-996. Oh, to Fiona, is it on five with regard to photo? Uh, Fiona, good morning. Good morning. You booked yesterday. Yeah, so I suppose just to uh, make you aware that I booked yesterday, I didn't have any special code or I didn't try to get the 50% discount and it automatically applied the 50% discount when I was booking. Yeah. So... Like, I have no issue paying the full price for the tickets. I think it's well worth it. But I think the way Foda are managing the communication, like, I just sent a text message to my own friends or WhatsApp group, and that happened in six other incidences that I know. So, you know, we're just normal people booking tickets. We have no problem paying the full price. Uh, It definitely was an IT error where people didn't have, like, the special code that they're kind of sending out in communication. And... Like, if they made a mistake, fine, but, like, you know, don't tarnish everyone with the, with the same brush. Well, you know, to, to be fair, we, we reckon from yeah. our, our own, our dad's own research this morning, mm-hmm. one of one of a couple of things has yeah. happened. Some people have admitted to us they were chancing their arm yeah. using the code, right? Some people were entitled to it, right? Yeah. Some people didn't use it, and this is your case, some people didn't yeah. use it at all. Yeah, that's my case, yeah. And got a and discount. Yeah, yeah, like I didn't set out to achieve it. I have no problem paying the full price, but there definitely was a, an IT error in terms of I probably booked the tickets around 12.45 yesterday and it automatically discounted the 50%. And I actually even thought, that's wrong. I'm going to go back in and rebook it. And like I clicked out of it and then I went back in to rebook it. And it automatically discounted the 50% again with yeah. no code or anything. And there's definitely a glitch. What they've said in the email this morning, even though I, I was, I gave, yeah. out, I gave out a bit about the way the email is written, but look, they have yeah. to keep their brand going. Everybody yeah. will hear in the next seven days what's going to happen. What we're yeah. hearing from someone who actually got through to them this morning is that people will be given a choice to either pay up the rest of the money or get a full refund. Refund. Yeah, and like I personally have no issues paying the the rest of the money I've gone every year. I think it's a great event. It's definitely expensive, but it is worth the the money in terms of it. I just think um, maybe they just could have been a bit more honest in in terms of their communication. Yeah, well, they're they're talking about people being contacted over the next few days and we'll see how that goes and again we've put in uh, emails and uh, telephone requests to photo to provide a spokesperson but they haven't done it 1850-715-996 uh, by WhatsApp you're now raking up unbearable memories for people involved in that recent incident in Mallow well done it was very thoughtless ah come on come on like do we not bring stuff it's, it's in the it's part of the subject of a new book I appreciate if it brings up a bad memory but you know don't accuse us of being thoughtless here and Frank says that must be one of the most horrible phrases ever a minor sexual assault. 
the phrase she used, Frank. 1850-715-996. The annual Carrigaline cycle is on tomorrow. The Lions Club uh, cycle classic is on tomorrow. Comes up uh, around this year every time. Mark in. Morning, Mark. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, how are good, you good. How many years is it now? For 28 years, believe it or believe it not. Good Lord. It's been a long time since um, we started this cycle, um, as you're aware. Which, and I, know, I know you cycled yourself on numerous occasions. I did. Slowly. Uh, <laughs> this was uh, our dear friend James O'Sullivan, our emergency soul. That was his, his event. Um, and we're still keeping it going in his memory. Um, tomorrow we're, uh, we're, we're cycling from Cagaline down to West Cork, Banlascarty, and back via Crossbarry. Uh, this year, as in, as in previous years, it's an aid of Marymount Hospice and the Cagaline Lines View Project. Um, uh, we're we've a 35 kilometre, 70 and 110. Mm. So there's, a, there's an event there for each uh, type of cyclist, the professional or the novice. Yeah. Um, you can register online or you can uh, register tomorrow in Cagaline at the Youth Centre at 9am. Mm. And we'll be departing at 10 a.m. How many? How many people are you expecting to cycle? We expect 120 to 130 uh, cyclists um, at the moment. Our, our great neighbours, Pepsi uh, and Cagaline, are supporting us again. Uh, they have a team in. Uh, I believe there's 30, 35 cyclists from Pepsi going alone. Um, Stan Beamish and the, the the Camino cycle has 20 cyclists coming with us. So we're expecting a very, very good day. Yeah, that's actually. Um, Sam has extended it out now to the Camino. Uh, he's he's doing he's doing one out there this month, which is an interesting exercise. I must catch up with him about that too. Yeah, I, I'm actually travelling on that one with Sam. Oh, yeah. Um, Tell uh, me more about it. So while you're there, well, it's not taken from our own cycle. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's uh, it's an extension of the four to four cycle. Uh, we're doing the Camino, and uh, I think it's for the Mercy Hospital Foundation. Um, I'm cycling myself some of the way, but uh, I've been brought along to, to drive the van. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's sometimes a nicer job. All right, I, would, Ma- I would think so, yes. <laughs> Mark, thanks very much, mate. That's Mark Ginn in Carrigaline, their annual Lions Club cycle, 28 years of it now. It's on tomorrow morning. Registration from 9, cycle from 10. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Okay, nice to end off the week with a bit of music. Even better to end it off with a bit of live music. And one of the most popular songs we've played on Cork's 96FM in many a long day. Take it away, Mr. Tom Baxter.
what I'm trying to say is You make things better And no matter what the day is With you here It's better I'll stand by you If you stand by me I think it's time that I reveal it Cause I believe it It's better I mean, I've been waiting all morning to hear that song uh, done live in the studio. Thank you, Tom. And thank you to Sophie and Laura from Kudos, who will be your special guests this weekend at the Opera House. I'll talk to the ladies again, and we'll hear another song in a few minutes. But but first of all, Tom, like you, this that was your kind of breakthrough song, wasn't it? You've been writing songs and making music mm-hmm. for a heck of a long time. That was the breakthrough song. That was the one that got on the radio. Yeah, actually, I was talking about it a little bit last night. Uh, we had a gig in um, Waterford. And I was explaining that I had an album before that that, you know, a lot of people don't know, actually. I did a big record deal with Sony, and uh, that was kind of like a big hype, that record, and it didn't quite work. But what did happen is they sent me over to Ireland, and I did quite a bit of touring in that that period. Mm. And uh, when I came to the sort of end of that record deal and tried to get out, I remember handing in my songs to the head of the Sony label, and he, he said, oh, you don't have any songs, and... 
So when I got out of that deal, I had this sort of bit, bit in my teeth, you know, desperately wanting to sort of prove them wrong. And mm. I sort of remortgaged my house and then I put out that album mm. with Better on it. And I thought, yeah, I'm sure this is a song that's yeah. going to connect with people. And I was very lucky because it completely yeah. connected. So Ireland has been, you've really landed on your feet here. Yeah. You're not the first to do it. David Gray, David Gray did it yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Uh, the White Ladder broke here like it broke nowhere else. And back, if you go far back enough to Chris, Chris Rhea. Absolutely. Chris Rhea yeah. was a jobbing musician, yeah. great musician. Yeah. And we discovered him through radio al- album tracks here in this yeah. country. And before you know it, he was a huge star. Yeah. That's what happened to you. You, you mm. Like Ireland, Ireland came, came out for you. They recognised what you do. But you were having songs performed by Tom, ba- Tom Waits and the likes mm. of him for mm. years. Mm. Is it frustrating, Tom, to, to, to write music and to write really good music and have, have to wait so long for your own breakthrough? Um... I think for anybody who's in the arts, whether you're a painter or whether you're a musician or whatever you do, um, you know, it's always tricky uh, if you haven't got any sense of, um, I suppose, you want to be uh, to be able to, to do it without so much struggle. I mean, if, if, it's, if it's a real struggle, it's, it's very difficult. So I think when any success comes along... Um, you know, it's very welcome, you know. Yeah. And I suppose if you've been doing it for a long time, and I think when I had some success, I was, I must have been mid-30s, so that was quite late. I've been doing it all my life, really. Yeah. And uh, But I suppose what it does do is, and I think particularly like you were just mentioning about this relationship I had with Ireland, you know, Ireland are really responsible for me to be able to continue because yeah. they always supported me and I always had this great sort of body of fan base here and it's kind of enabled me to keep making music and often you know I'm I'm thinking about the fact that you know I've got that and and I feel very 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 grateful for it you know I remember the first day that song was playlisted here I I walked Mm. into the studio who the hell is that I said who's that well, uh, and you know, my my wife will be kill me tonight now because for the rest of the day I'll be <laughs> 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 Now let's go to these ladies here, Sophie and Laura from Cork. Hi guys, which who's which is which? Hello. I'm Sophie. You're Sophie, mm-hmm. and you're Laura. Sophie, you you perform as as Kudos, and indeed you performed over the world. How did you come in contact with Tom here? Um, just through a couple of emails and luckily enough he wanted to take us on board so thank you Tom for oh, having us on the tour we're loving it well I'm, I'm not surprised given the harmonies you just did there mm. on, on, on Better oh and, they've been uh, doing some lovely we did some lovely shows we did a great show last night and the girls just sounded absolutely beautiful they really mm. did you know. tell us a bit about yourselves ladies so we're from Cork born and bred um, so it's, we're delighted to be here today but uh, we had an album debut album released this year called Perfect and it went to number eight in the Irish charts and um, we've just been touring around for the last year we just moved back from St. Helena Island so that's where we recorded majority of the album and um, we were there for four and a half years so it's great to be back in Ireland and touring with music. We we forget I think and we need to remind ourselves that the the level and quality of talent that comes out of Cork the the quality of artists that we've sent literally to the four corners of the world in all forms of the arts you know, people, Stephanie Rainey, for example, a massive breakthrough from Stephanie in the last couple of years, you know, and do you class what you do as folk or pop or what do you class it as? Um, I think I think we're quite poppy in terms of what we produce, um, but we, we love doing the acoustic gigs as well. Like, I mean, a lot of our tracks have electronic pop, but mm. I think 
we like having bits for everyone. So little piano ballad type songs yeah. and guitar based songs and then a little bit of something if you want to kind of have a bit of a joy for yourself. And was music always what it was as kids even? Was it always about music? It was always music. It was always music for us. I mean, since we were babies, we've always been doing it. Our parents had a band, so we couldn't even oh, sleep. Yeah, so we couldn't even sleep <laughs> without having been in the practice room with them in their right. band or having them sing us to sleep. Or, right. well, to be fair, they probably fell asleep before we did. We just <laughs> like sing some more for us. <laughs> well, now I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to do something else from from the, the gig, the Opera House uh, tomorrow night, isn't it? Tomorrow night, yeah. Tomorrow night, it's a yeah. Stunning venue, and I'm very, very, very happy to be playing there. So. Okay. Well, let's 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 have one of the one of the, the the songs from the show. I'm sure better will be in there, but let's have one of the collaborations between you guys. This is Tom Baxter with Kudos. It's slow falling in love again. How can we pretend? So scared of rushing in and risking everything. You're hanging on a prayer. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're looking for a miracle, let's make.
it slow Falling in love again How can we pretend Gorgeous. Beautiful harmonies. Lovely song. And tomorrow night at the opera presented as part of the Folk Festival. So really looking forward to it. And thank you so much for having me in. Have a great gig. Have a great gig, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank All you right, cheers. Us. That's Tom, Thanks, Baxter, Tom Baxter and Kudos. 1850-715-996. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.